C'è la luna mezza mare, mamma mia, mamma redare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Hollywood Godfather Podcast. And I'm here only tonight with Megan. Pat is under the weather, Picciarelli, our co-host, who co-wrote the book. But I have a guest tonight that it's ironic how many times he's crossed my life in and out without me knowing because basically my first introduction from him, for, to him was from his father, and his father's a, a, a gentleman you all know in his life called Nick, I mean, uh, Tony Lip. <laughs> and Nick wrote the book, Green Book, and the movie, and here he is. And I'm happy to say he's doing a 10-hour miniseries on my book that he's doing, and we're all together. Yes. Nick, having you on is a pleasure, my man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Good to see you. I, I can't... Tell the audience where we first met. Nobody will believe this. Well, we actually first met on the, in the wedding sequence of The Godfather. I was a little kid. Um, That's 48 11, years ago. 11, it's amazing. 11 years old. And uh, my father, if you saw Green Book, you saw my father worked in the uh, Copacabana nightclub. So I guess the director, Francis Ford Coppola, casting director, Johnny Ludigiamo, right? Oh, Lou, I love Lou. Yeah. And I, they met him, they saw his face, and they said, we, we're doing this movie, we're going to put you in it. And then they asked him if he had any kids that said, we're doing this big wedding scene. So my brother and I actually screen tested uh, for Francis Ford Coppola. We did a screen test, and they, they loved us because we were real brothers. And we were going to be the, the kids in the family, but we were a little older than the kids. Uh. I was a little too old, so, but, so we didn't make it to be the family kids, but we made it into the, the movie. Into Running the around in the, the wedding scene. And, uh, See, yeah, you were so at my wedding. I love it. Sitting on your lap. <laughs> <laughs> that's wild. That is amazing. And then, as he's pointed out, his father and I met because of Costello and the Copa and Carmine and all of that. And then, after they closed the Copa, some friends of ours said, we're going to open the Copa in Brooklyn. Will you open that for us? I said, how can I turn you no? I can't tell these guys not to be given. It's the same crew. Carmine's Copa. Yeah. After Carmine. Yep. The, Carmine's the other, Copa uh, in the Brooklyn. Yeah. And his father brought him to that show. Yes, and that, that was right. a mobbed up show that night. Paul yeah, Castellano, was... who got shot down in front of Spark Steakhouse, took over the whole club that night. And he had yeah. been be invited by him. So his father took him there, and we have a picture. We, yeah. we actually have a picture maybe 30 years before that in the Godfather yeah. wedding, and now here yeah. we are again. And now here he's writing my life story for a screenplay. Yeah, me. it's an honor. Honor to do it. No, but that's so crazy. But So how did that come about, you guys teaming up and you writing the screenplay for this show? Well, you know, it's really odd. I... Uh... I think the last time I had seen Donnie, him and my father did an appearance somewhere. Forget where it was. You guys were together. And then uh, I heard about the book. I was in a producer, um, a guy who produces the Jimmy Kimmel show. Uh, we were talking about doing something together. Doug DeLuca. I was in his office. Doug he DeLuca. Said, Good friend of mine. Uh, Doug yeah, DeLuca. Doug DeLuca. I remember everybody's name. <laughs> so he says, uh, he says, have you read 
you know Johnny Russo, right? I said, yeah, I, I know him from, through my dad. I met him a few times. He said he wrote this book. I have one of the galley copies. You want to read it? So I said, sure. So I read the book. I love the book. And I thought, wow, that's great. That'll make, that should make a movie or a TV series. And then um, I get a call from uh, my agent, uh, David Gersh. And he says, uh, we have this book from Johnny Russo, one of the uh, producers, Colin Wilson. Uh, they want to talk to you about writing a pilot. Not knowing that I already knew Johnny. They didn't know that. Oh, wow. So the first thing I, I said, oh, okay, uh, let me think about it. And the first <laughs> thing he did was call him because I'm not doing anything without his blessing. You know, I, had to, I had to call the Godfather and say, do you, <laughs> do you know about this? Do you want me to do it? If you don't want me to do it, I won't do it. And he said, what? You're kidding? So uh, it worked out really well. It worked out great. Yeah. Oh, that's great. No, it really worked out. And where we're going with it, we can't share that yet. But we've really moved this at lightning speed pertaining to Hollywood. By the time you get anything made, it's ridiculous. Right. And right. because of his relationship with so many people, it's, uh, and all that noise behind me, it's 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock in New York. 7 o'clock <laughs> in New York. And, and they're praising, thank you for all the essential help and doctors and nurses. And God bless that, that, that spirit's really carrying on. But at least I know when it's 7 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like an alarm. But what Nick, I have to say, what Nick has done with it, I think we could share the pilot stuff. I mean, where you sure, going we, with we it? have the pilot written. So the pilot's ready to go. It's being, it's being looked at right now. And, uh, you know, I think it's just an amazing story. So I did my, I, you know, it's all there. It's all in the pages. He wrote an amazing book. The book is so amazing. So someone like me made very easy in a sense uh you don't have to you don't have to lie or make stuff up what's the truth to it is so <laughs> unbelievable that it's it's believable so i just went with what was on the page but we took a take on it we started it in a certain spot and we uh went backwards and now we're gonna go forwards but i think uh i mean I, you like the pilot right Johnny? i love it i mean what you, <laughs> what you did with it because to me you you took all like little facets of my life and made it so exciting because adding Elvis Presley to it, that was brilliant. Elvis and I shared a doctor, Dr. Feelgood, Elias Ghanem. And Elias was the one that sewed me up and using that scene after the, the shooting in my club, that's in the, one of the first two chapters of the book. Yeah, chapter one, I think. Yeah, and we added it, he did very brilliantly and mm -hmm. rekindled the friendship with Elvis, me, and that. So brought another whole great, you know, hook for that's what you want to write hooks so the people want to tune into the next episodes. Well, What's it's another little aspect to show how your life connected to so many other lives. I mean, it's just uh, crazy, you know, how you, you cross not only cross paths with these people, but you were connected to all these people. So yeah. mm -hmm. that's what I think is going to make the show so amazing. It's, no. a, it's a sort of Zelig or uh, Forrest Gump, <laughs> real yeah. life Forrest Gump. You, Everybody you, keeps saying that. That's I so know. funny. Connected to so many people. You know? We just had we just had uh, uh, Steve Sharipper on, and he yeah. said the same thing. I know him forty years. He used to work for me. He was there that night in this in the scene. Yeah, right. He was the doorman. And he wants to do it. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing, 
he he came to so many places with me and then went on to his own life and he said the same thing to Megan he said uh He's like Forrest Gump. So many people refer to it. It is so funny how, how so many people say that. But, uh, you know, it's... Uh, well, I think that's what, why it's going to make a really compelling show. I mean, it's, just, it's not, it's not going to be the same thing that you've ever seen before. No. Every, every right. episode is going to be different. And when he did also want it with, with Megan, he, I'm doing the voiceovers, but not only am I doing the voiceovers, he, he marries me into the scenes like I walk on, like I'm talking in the corner about what they're doing. It's, it's an interesting... Yeah, Megan's got a... Did you read it, Megan? you have a chance to I read did. It? I did. Yeah. I thought it was great. I can't wait. I, I know it's Gianni's life, but I can't wait to see it come to life for us. Yes. You know, for the rest of us, especially as close to him, I can't wait to see how that plays out, and I think it was written so well. Because I said, him, we can't waste him right uh, gonna get a great actor to play him but why not use him as well so i figured out a way how we can actually get him in and still use the actor and right so uh yeah i'm i'm, I'm really thrilled and excited about it i'm so excited when did you start writing um when did i finish that pilot no he means in your life no, when did you start writing your career as a writer oh writing because you're an actor You've yeah, done... I mean, I was I was always writing as a kid. I just loved books, and I loved movies, and I just was always writing stories and short stories. But I started out as an actor. I studied acting, but I studied writing. I studied film. So it was all part of the same thing to me. I don't separate them. It was, for me, it was. Some people are maybe drawn to one thing. I love the acting. A lot of theater. I was studying in New York, HB mm -hmm. Studios, Actor Studio. Uh, circle in the Square, so I did a lot of theater, theater background, a lot of plays. And um... the interesting thing about our audience, Nick, we, we're we're in Australia, we're all over the world with this show. We get we have oh, wow. we do a mailbag, and we get letters every show. We end with a mailbag, and then once a month, I mean once a week, no, once a month, once a month we yeah. do a mailbag one hour. You won't believe. So uh, for the people all over the world. Can you chronologically take us through your career and with some of the films you've done and how you started? Because well, you really, I think my career you really started, you started. About years ago, but I was working towards a career all this time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I was in, you know, I, I studied writing film. Uh, I was always to make little films with back then the Super 8 uh, film oh my God, right? yeah. cameras. I just, for whatever reason, I was always drawn to it. My mother took me to see uh, Mary Poppins when I was a kid. That was the first movie I ever went to a theater. I, I made oh, it wow. five nights in a row. So I was hooked. <laughs> and then I wanted to study film. I had a great high school film teacher when everyone else was, took a film class to go to sleep. I actually paid attention. <laughs> so I learned about editing and montage. I watched great movies like Citizen Kane, It's a Wonderful Life, classic Italian uh, Fellini films, uh, Victoria I love Sica films. I was influenced with a lot of Italian cinema. I really loved Italian movies. Foreign I spent a long time over there at Cina Città, you know. Yeah. With well, Jerome yeah, Great. And so, so I like really studied movies, you know. So, mm -hmm. uh, and then at that age, when I was 11 years old, to be on the set, my film school was the Godfather set. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Right. Can't get any better than that. And actually, I don't know if I told Johnny this. I was... Um, so taken by it 
first couple of days, wherever they were filming, I was making sure I was in the shot, I was in the scene, I was running around. So like the third day, book started, uh, one of the assistant directors grabbed me. I thought I was in trouble. He pulled me and took me over to Francis Ford Coppola. And he said to me, he goes, listen, you may not understand this, but every day, the next day, we watch what we filmed. I see you more than I see anyone. <laughs> so today, I'm going to keep my eye on you. And they got me a little director's chair, and they put me behind the camera next to Francis. Day. Oh, my gosh. I forget. I was, I was hooked. Yeah, oh, I mean, that's, that, I just that, that's an education. Jesus. Watching theater him. in my life, lots of making films, and then... Um, Acting, 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 and finally I came out to L.A. The first script I wrote uh, with Christopher Coppola, by coincidence, Francis's nephew, Nicholas Cage's brother, it was right. called Fall. It was Nicholas Cage. It was supposed to be Val Kilmer. He dropped out the day before, but Nicholas Cage, Michael Bean, James Coburn, Talia Shire. Oh, you wrote that? Charlie Sheen. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. that. Wow. So that was the first one I got done, and then I just did a lot of little indie things on my own. Mm -hmm. And um, banged around, kept you know working at it, acting. I did some theater in L.A. too, but it just kept at it. And then finally, uh, it took me a long time to get Green Book done, but finally Green Book. How, how long did it take you to write Green Book? Well, Green Book, I had the story my whole life because I lived it. My father lived it. It was a true story about my dad. So I always knew, even as a kid, I thought this would make a great movie one day. But it was like, listen, it happened in 62, 63, right? Right. I started talking to my father, taping him in 89, 90, wow. 91. I was talking to him and Dr. Shirley then. Then I didn't get to even be, think about making it to 2013. By coincidence, my father and Dr. Shirley passed away. And Dr. Shirley had said to me, I don't want you to make this movie while I'm alive. You can make it. You can make it about my, the time I spent with your father, but he had other plans for his life story. So, you know, it was a lot of press. Why isn't it more about him? It wasn't his life story. It was just the time he spent with my dad. Right. Mm -hmm. So point being, he passed away 2013, and then I started thinking about doing it. And I actually was going to do it with James Gandolfini playing my father. Oh, we that would have been great. And then James passed away. So I sat on it for a couple of years, and then around 2015, the incarnation of, of we're putting it together, what we ended up doing started happening. A friend of mine, Brian Curry, was a writer. He wanted to write with me. I told him this story. He brought it to Peter Farrelly. He wanted to direct it. It was something I wanted to do because it was so close to my But when I met Pete, I knew he was the right guy to do it, and I thought, I've been banging around so much. I think I trusted Pete and um, his take on it. So we all wrote it together and uh, produced it. And I think I made a good decision. Pete directed a genius of a movie. And uh, a couple of Academy Awards later, here I am. Yeah, here you and are. The, man, don't, don't go too fast to the Academy Awards because the story <laughs> to me is like, I was just about to ask you, when you saw the way it was received against all these other major studio I can't believe you won it. it you should have won, but that's not how it goes in L.A. It's not very fair. No. <laughs> they don't it want to spend the money. Um, the first our sort of world premiere was in the Toronto Film Festival, if people don't know. That's a big uh, 
starting point for the season of films that might between September and the end of December is when the films that will be considered for Academy Award and Golden Globes, that's when the competition begins. And there's a couple uh, festivals, Toronto and um, a couple other ones in September that those are the ones, you know. So we had no fanfare in Toronto, and there were billboards for Star of the Born and that time First Man. Oh, I know. Right. They thought Black Star Klansman, was born. Black, uh, uh, Black Panther, uh, the, the, the Favorite. There were so many of Crazy Rich Asians. Great, all great movies. There was nothing for our movie. And just word of mouth, word of mouth. And then our first um, screening was like 1,200, 1,300 people. We had like four standing ovations. Wow. And we knew then we had something. Still didn't think we would win. No one thought we would win. We ended up winning that. And all of a sudden, the uh, the guns were pointed at us. And it was quite a uh, crazy few months there. But to get that far, I think we, we surprised a lot of people. We started winning, winning awards, winning this award, that award, this nomination, Producers Guild Award. Then we won the Golden Globes. That freaked everyone out. I was, was watching it, man. It freaked me out. Together, I was so really? proud of you, man. But you know, Johnny, I felt like, uh, you know, they kept trying to attack me. They attacked Pete. They attacked Vigo, attacking the movie, various different things that were just crazy. All the politics in Hollywood. Politics. That's why but, I never uh, go there. It was, uh, I said, after it was done, you know, I'm still alive. They hit me with <laughs> five shots and I'm still alive. Oh, yeah, there so, you go. I took I took the hits and we we moved forward and it was quite amazing to win. I, I didn't think we were going to win anything. But yeah, really. what is that experience like hearing your name or your film called uh, against that competition, was, Lady Gaga? All I mean, the competition you were up competition, against. Competition. I mean, you know, great films and all really good movies. So any like to me, it sounds cliche, but my win was I got it made on that level and it was being received on that level. Right. And, Right. Uh, I just was really sort of hurt and disturbed by all the backlash against the movie. I couldn't believe it because to me, I was an athlete too in my life, and you know, you win, you win. You, you as long as you do your best, sometimes you lose the game. Mm -hmm. You don't, you know. Sometimes you strike out, and you got to go up, get up at bat again. So I did. I wasn't, you know, you want to win, of course, but by the time it got to Academy Awards, I was so stressed out. Crazed by all this crazy, like it took all the fun out of it. I didn't go there okay. with fun. I went there with more trepidation. So I really didn't think we were going to win. I just said, "Well, it's in God's hands. I already won. I got it made." But then it yeah. was, it was uh, shocking and surprising, and uh, you know, it, 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 they can't take it away from from us. Mm -mm. No, and, and you know no, the interesting can't. thing, I know I know how humble you are, and and you're you're, you're the the guy you are talking about is you, and Hollywood's not going to destroy you. You're a neighborhood guy, and <laughs> you know we have so many ups and downs in our lives. But to sit there, and like you said, the backstabbing and the, the shenanigans of the studios just trying to beat you down because they had so much money invested in these other films. Sure, sure. And I mean, I couldn't believe it, and, and you know, and some of the people thought they were going to win. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to say everything I wanted to say and thank as many people. And uh, But I just thought of my parents and I um, I was able to make a good speech at the Globes. But then they were telling me at the Academy Awards they didn't want me to talk. There was too much controversy. 
So again, I really? took it for the, I took it for the team. I just let it let it go. But um, you know, I was looking up to heaven, going, you know, hey, this is the way God wanted it. So mm-hmm. they, they couldn't do nothing to stop it. But you, I, you got two Oscars. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, that's a true. I mean, I couldn't even understand that. But I, yeah. I, I'm I'm like you in a lot of ways. Well, you're like me because I'm much older than you. But uh, at my age, even at 77. That's still my goal. I want to win an Oscar, or I want to win. I, I think it's there. There's enough stories. Yes. And, and um, you never dreams never die. You're no. always dreaming. You know, you always. Uh, and I've been a dreamer all my life. And yeah. It was just weird. It was an odd thing. I gotta say because you know everyone in there. I mean, if you're not in the movie business, when you're a little kid, you know, it used to be bigger deal. The Oscars were on. Yeah. Everyone right. watched it. You know. Whether you're in the movie business or not, I think everyone always thinks, what would I say if I won an Oscar? If I got up there, what would it be like? You know. Mm-hmm. So it was weird when I when I was sitting in the seat. It was almost I felt like I was sitting in my living room in my house. I just had a I just had a closer view of it. It was it was a bizarre weird thing. I was there, but you've seen it so many times. It was uh, it was odd. So like. When they said my name on the first one, like my brother, like pushed me. Like, <laughs> I saw him doing that, and I'm like, "Wow, I gotta get up there right now." What just happened? Yeah. And then the second, uh, uh, you know, the girl uh, on a blanket her name, I can't believe it. the girl played uh, uh, Captain Marvel. Uh, that was uh, Brie Larson. Brie Larson. She gave me, the, she handed me my statue for the best screenplay, and then when we won, when I finally got up there. There was a crowd getting up there. Everyone, everyone ran up there. Uh, yeah. Julia Roberts handed me my Oscar. She was laughing and smiling. And she hugged me and gave me a kiss. And I go, wow, who's better than me right now? It's <laughs> just true, man. So, Why not? It's great. true. That's amazing. You know, and I oh, thought of like uh, Johnny. I thought of Francis and, and Martin Scorsese and the guys that I admired, like Victoria Jessica. I thought of Frank Capra, like all the Italian. Filmmakers uh, and Spielberg, even though he's not Italian, I call him an honorary Italian. He was in that group. All the filmmakers that that I aspired to be like, it was something to say. Wow, I'm in that group somehow. You know? And and to be and win it that night with Marty sitting there. <laughs> yes, yeah, that, no, that no, had to no. be. You know, Marty and I never got along. He's you know he's, oh, no. he's from the neighborhood. His mother always wanted. We were young kids. I'm talking about five or six years old. She always wanted to play with Marty. Let Marty play with you. <laughs> it's so funny. So we said, okay, one day, let him play. We made him first base while we were playing stickball. <laughs> she, the actual first base. He never. Yeah, we ran around and touched his head as first base. He never <laughs> forgot it. Never forgot it. That's was, why you were never in any I was never in one of his movies. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I tell you. Working with you now and, and all the meetings we've been to, and we've gotten really close as a friend also, it's, it's amazing. Even the award that you invited me to in Long Island that Sunday. In the Bronx, yes. In yes. the Bronx. I mean, that's, I just want the audience to know, since us meeting 48 years ago, now as you know, older gentleman, I was a friend of your father's, now here I am working right. with you. It's such an honor for me. And indirectly, for what you're doing for my little protege here, Megan. Megan's, we met in a church 
a year and a half ago almost. Oh, wow. And uh, with her whole family. And I said, look at this family. They're all kneeling together, holding hands, praying. That's we, beautiful. You never see that again. Then I go to my hotel. They're staying there. <laughs> and then the father says, you know, my daughter's, you know, at... Um, what school were you? And why, no. I went. I went to Fordham, Fordham, and I studied film and television. Oh wow! So we yeah. started talking, and she didn't know that Patrick Picciarelli, the co-author of the book, we were going to create a podcast just because we want to. We were. This is like our seventy-seventh hour or something. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah, we're up there. And uh, so I said we were looking for a, a, a millennium, a young gorgeous girl to sit between these two old men. <laughs> and the, com the the chemistry worked. You never know. Yeah. It's, 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 it was very lucky. It was a very random meeting, and he took me under his wing, no questions asked, and I guess I proved myself now for oh, almost no, 80 it's, hours it's in. But <laughs> no, but no, he's, I, he's, got, he's got good taste. No. <laughs> Thanks. And, including Thanks. both of you. They're both included, and Pat, who's not with us. No, but I'm, I'm so lucky and blessed, because I just waffled through life. <laughs> and I get I get these things done, and you know having the people that are interested in us now, with Bill and Jeff, you know who I'm talking without dropping too much hint, but we'll be done in two weeks. That's what they said. Yeah, that, that'll at, be fantastic. At, at the end of this morning's meeting. <laughs> well, you'll have to tell me about that later. Yeah, but I'll get uh, it, I'll get the information. Yeah. But I thank you for taking the time. What are you doing down in Florida? Visiting your family or just having a holiday? Uh, vis <laughs> visiting some family. And, That's um, great. You never know where he calls you from. I call yeah. him. I hear the European call. He's in Italy. I call him. <laughs> he had, you had a great, I mean, this run for you. I mean, what what, what a great reward. Yeah, it was very nice. Very nice. And, I'm very fortunate. So this is, this is at least your Emmy. But now if we do the, you know, if we get to where we want to go with the people we're, we're talking about. They're talking about, because they own their own screens, they're going to go for a 500 just to qualify. Oh, wow. Which we can do. So it's going to be exciting. I can't right. And hopefully we'll, we'll all be great. sitting in So, Megan, where are you? Are you in New York also? So I typically live in New York, but during all of what's going on i'm living with my parents so i'm from philadelphia but we spend our summers at the jersey shore so i'm on the beach right now oh nice what part of the shore so it's very south it's um below atlantic city the town's called sea isle city okay yeah nice. very south jersey shore yeah that's nice. why they didn't have the virus did the virus didn't even know where it was <laughs> <laughs> yeah thankfully yeah but yeah i had to get out of new york for the time being but uh yeah all right but well, Nick, thank you so much, my man. Yes. No, I really appreciate you coming on. We'll thank be on you, many man. times. And uh, again, thank you for having an interest in our project and taking well, it to where it is I now. Love it. I love yeah, it. is there anything else from you that we should look out for anytime soon, next couple years? Uh, well, this is priority one. I have a couple other things. I have a, a Christian book that I turned into a screenplay called Reunion working on that. I have an Italian-American romantic comedy called That's Amore. That, it's a musical. I'm working mm -hmm. on that too. So there's a bunch of stuff. But we got to get Johnny's thing up and up and running here. So, but Thank you so much. Okay. I'll, I'll talk to you later or tomorrow. Yeah, send me a link so I can send this to people where they can watch it. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, absolutely.
All right. God bless right, you. Nick, thank you thank so you much. So thank much. you. Give my regards to your family, too. I will. Thank you. Great thank talking you. to you. Thank Bye-bye. you so much. Bye-bye. 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 It's time for the mailbag. I love this part of the show. We love hearing from you all, your questions, even topics you may want us to talk about. You send us the, you know, the mail, we'll answer it, and we'll be challenged to do whatever you say, <laughs> believe it or not. Absolutely. All right. This question is from Ward. Ward says, what did the Nitty family and Chicago mob think of the TV series The Untouchables? What's Gianni's take? And did he think Walter Winchell may have kept the outfit informed of the scripts during production? Do you know anything about this? I don't think Walter Winchell did. And, that, you know, I mean, it was a TV show. Okay. They weren't going to try to stop it. They were way beyond that. And, you know, the Capone and Nitty's, that, that life was dramatized so many times. Mm-hmm. James Cagney played Al Capone. So many people played Al Capone. It's crazy. In fact, uh, Robert De Niro played Al Capone. And what, what was that? The movie The Al Capone. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, it was, you know, Can't it, say it, it was like a myth at the, at the, at the time. And, and they were so above it now with legitimate businesses and it was time to move on. And you weren't going to okay. stop it anyway. Hmm. All right. Next one is from Lucas. Gianni, have you ever had any bad interview experiences? Maybe you can't name names, but can you tell us a bit about it? Uh, being asked a bad interview? Or... or just an experience that you've had being interviewed that was bad, I guess. No, because I'm, I'm the type of person, if you listen to the show constantly or the majority of the time, if I don't want to answer the question, I ain't going to answer the question. I ain't going to intimidate myself or embarrass myself <laughs> or embarrass anybody else that they're asking a question about. So I'm not, I, don't, I don't get intimidated. I don't get embarrassed. Okay. There's nobody who's ever, like, offended you? or no. Nope. Nope. Well, that's good. Because you've done a lot of interviews in your time, so. Well, I, I've okay. actually said to people, maybe you want to redirect that question and realize who you're asking the question to. Oh. <laughs> all right. Turn it around. And Put them the, in their place. That's all. Politely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Next is from Leo. Johnny, have you ever written any music? How about producing? Anything we would know? I actually written a couple of songs. And I produced a lot when I was with uh, December 12th, which is a company that Dion Warwick, and we all, December 12th, Dion Warwick's December 12th, so not December 12th. So the big thing we have ever done with that company, we did, uh, um, well, we did Barry Madelow, Never Love This Way Again, won a Grammy for that. They didn't write the song, but produced and got involved in music. Wound up like about six, Grammys for music by being involved, like uh, that's what friends are for. That Quincy right. Jones and all of us laugh about that because we gave all that money to Amfar for uh, Elizabeth Taylor's charity. And then I wrote a song that I, I, I recorded it, and uh, it was a Christmas song, A Time for Giving. And I'm going to record this tune someday. It, the lyric is so unbelievable. And it's with kids and laughter, and it's not about gifts. And it's never been released? Nope. I have it. I got to send you one. Yeah, I want to hear it. And another song I wrote was called A Man Alone. 
Can you feel the call? Well, there's something on second into that, but it's insane. <laughs> yeah, I oh, like. Oh, come music. on! You just got everybody excited. No, but I love music. I, I I write a lot and I play instruments and I'm still singing. Fortunately, yeah. I change a lot Definitely of lyrics are. in my show. I change the lyrics to my way. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, I'm having fun yet. Absolutely. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> are you still deciding? Yeah. You're just going to try it all out and then decide later? Yep. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Next is from Mary. Mary says, aside from anything you've been a part of, what is your favorite film of all time? I love Casablanca. Really? I learned a lot of, from Humphrey Bogart. In fact, uh, one of my rehearsal dinners, in fact, one of my, my last one, actually, at the Beverly Hills Hotel, the rehearsal night, Friday night for one of the out-of-town guests, which were 380, they took all the hotel rooms. Hmm. We created a Casablanca party, and I was Rick. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. And everybody loved it. It was a theme for three days. Then we had the Crystal Ballroom for 300 people to sit down, black tie, no children. And then John Paul DeJuria, who was my best man, you may know him from Paul Mitchell Products, and uh, Patron Tequila, Oh, okay. He was my best man. So he threw us a party at the Beverly Hills Hotel around the pool, a big raggae party, which was insane. It's probably my best wedding. It was three, <laughs> three, three-day wedding. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a great time. Yeah. So oh, that's, that's funny. Uh, so Casablanca. Casablanca. A message there. It's a good message in that whole thing. Mm -hmm. I love that era of film. Oh, especially when he was talking to Isla, and they just had an affair, and he knew she mm. was married. Great scene. I actually did that in one of my shows. Isla? Really? I did his voice and everything. Everybody loved it. <laughs> You're good at impressions. You yeah. are very good at that. So, moving on. <laughs> All right, moving on. Next is from Sergeant Dave. Um, I'm under Dave arrest. Says, <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Thankfully. He says, great show, guys. Quick question for Gianni. I was listening to a YouTube video about Marilyn Monroe recently, and I read your book. I don't remember if this was addressed in the book, but the video stated that her diary went missing during the investigation. Any thoughts on who took it or who still has it? Could it be revealed one day? If one popped up one day, could you authenticate it? I definitely can. In fact, a guest on our show a few weeks ago has the diary, and he, see, remember Megan? I remember, yes, yeah. I do remember and that. And in the phone book, there was a listing that I was involved with, and he told me, he said, I got the phone number. I said, okay. And oh he got gosh. the diary. So he's writing, a, I can't, it's his project, and he spent a lot of money on it. He's writing a book. You'll know his name. He's a great writer, and he's writing the diary. And he can't believe, in fact, we had a conversation with him on the, on the air, that he can't believe it how much I knew of her last four days of her life. Right. Because I was with her. But, yeah, I mean, that's going to come out. So I guess, yeah, it'll be revealed someday oh, yeah. in the near future. All right, next one is from Brian. Brian says, did you ever meet Jimmy Chagra from El Paso, Texas, when in Las Vegas in the late 1970s? He was in the import business. No, I know of him, though. I oh, did him. you? I met him, yeah, but I, I didn't know. Okay. 
All right. Next one is from Jimmy. Big fan of the show and book. I would love to hear if Gianni has had any encounter, encounters with Jimmy the Weasel Fraziano. He's Many a rat. from Sweden. I would never. Are you kidding? Jimmy Fraziano. I knew him well. Then until he flipped, forget about it. Oh, okay. Oh, no, no. No, crazy guy. No. No interlocking with him. It's a different family to begin with. Yeah. Families. Well, Jimmy is from Sweden. That's interesting. Yeah. We're like checking off the all the different countries that we've been hitting. It's crazy. Yeah. So thank you, Jimmy. Oh yeah. Oh, right. oh see so you confused me. I didn't want I thought you I thought he thought Jimmy the Weasel was from Oh Sweden. no no, he said Jimmy many thanks Sweden. from Sweden. Okay, Sorry. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I do I don't want to say maybe you know, let them believe what yeah. they want. <laughs> all right, next one is from Liza. Gianni, how have you been keeping yourself occupied and entertained during these different times that we're in? You know, it's it's funny because I think I mentioned it before. This is my second pandemic. You know, on August 7th, 1949, I turned myself in. Not that I turned myself in. They came and got me and right. quarantined me for five years. And that's in a Bellevue and 30, you know, 30th Street, a mental institution. So this really isn't a bad pandemic because I go out every other day. I do five miles in the streets, and I have certain people in my house that I know are clean and healthy. And mm -hmm. so it's been a lockdown. We've had a, a you know a disturbance in some of my appearances, but other than that, we've capitalized on. It. We keep on working. We're doing podcasts. We're we're right. writing. Yeah, we're, luckily we are able to do this remotely, yeah. which is. So, you know, great for us and our listeners who want to keep listening. I feel sorry for the people who are really locked in. I feel sorry yes. for people who are going to start to run out of money soon. I know. That's so, a lot of crazy stuff yeah. going on. But, yeah, you went through one epidemic, and you were affected by it, like physically, obviously. And now you're in a pandemic, and hopefully you remain healthy. I am making sure. That's that. why you're wearing your mask. Yep. Wearing my mask and carrying my distance stick. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. Next one is from Joe. Gianni, why is there beef between you and the guy who played Santino? <laughs> well, he's an actor, and he really thought he was a gangster. That's, I mean, there's no really yeah. a beef. I just don't like the guy, and he's a wise guy. You know, he's got me killed. Yeah, you, had a, the couple, book. you had a couple incidents with yeah. him. Buy the book. You'll find out why. Exactly. And the book right. we're talking about is Hollywood Godfather. It's the name of the podcast, it. Hollywood Godfather podcast. <laughs> All right. Next one is from Zach. Gianni, do you know Tommy Tortora? No, I know of him. Okay. No. I, can't, right. I can't say anymore. He's very active. Very active. Okay. Guy. All right. Moving on then. Next is from Benny. Gianni, I know that you spent some time in Las Vegas, but when did you officially move to New York City for good? And do you have any classic New York City stories that you would like to share? Well, you know, I never left New York City. I always kept a hub, and it's right right where I am. I won't say where I am. But I mm -hmm. left it, had kids go to school out of here, and I, I moved on so many times. I mean, but to me, uh, Vegas... I got to Vegas in 1959, and I stayed 30 years. I left in 89. And, wow. you know, but during that time, I'd be gone for months at a time. And after the Kennedy assassination, I was gone 22 months. And there was an, another a time during the 
the indictment of John Gotti. They wanted me to be questioned, so I left another 19 months. So I leave, but New York will always be my base. Right. I love and you've been here in this spot for a while I walked now, right? in here since I was 13 and in and out of it until the present day. <laughs> it's amazing. It's a it's great a, spot, too. Oh, I love it. <laughs> All right. Next one is from Barbara. I'm just wondering, any thoughts about the movie A Bronx Tale? You haven't mentioned it as of yet. I, I like The Bronx Tale. I'm a close friend of Chaz, Bobby De Niro, all those people. It's, you know, I never, it, to me, once you get into, when the life I've lived, I've lived it with these people. When they want to bring it into a movie, and they're talking about friends I knew, like Jimmy Burke. I knew Jimmy Burke. I, I was going out with his daughter, Kathy Burke. I mean, oh, wow. So how, how do I do a comparison when you know the real guy? Yeah, Jimmy the gent, there's nobody like him. I mean, yeah. tr people try to buy him, but you know, no. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm not a fan of gangster movies. Is that weird? I think hmm. I was in the best one. Maybe it's just too real. It's you know, it, it's not real life to you because you've right. actually lived it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's why you didn't really approve of a lot of the things in The Sopranos because you didn't think it was realistic. No, even in The Irishman, they they, they see The Godfather introduced the life. There is no Corleone. There's the combination. I talked to Mario Puzo. Don right. Corleone was three real Dons, and that made them up. But that, that's why it made Don Corleone so complex, that he had the politicians, right. he had the olive oil, he had everything going. But mm -hmm. uh, real, real guys, I don't want to, you know, and Chaz to me is a, a genius in what he did with it. And God bless him. Yeah, I love that movie. And it was so... Interesting for me, I actually saw um, the Broadway show first before I saw the movie. I saw oh, it a couple wow. of years ago with my parents. And it's so funny because it's it takes place right in the area that I've lived for the past five years. You know, like the Fordham, Belmont right. section right. of the right. Bronx. Exactly. I mean, I live right on Belmont Avenue. And the high school that the kids were going to is like right down the street from me. And... There's a mural right before you turn onto Arthur Avenue because I live two oh, streets they put from it there. Up. They put a picture of them up there. And it's a it's a whole Bronx Tale mural, and it's this giant photo of you know Chad. Yeah, the funniest thing you're saying is, I have to be there this Wednesday at one o'clock. I have to be what? up there. I can't believe it. They send it across. For what? I can't say that on the radio, but I'm. It's ironic. You're, I'm going up there. Of course, as soon as I move out. You're I'll be there. Well, no, we'll be there. I, I never have to go, but I but this I want to go. Some friends of mine are coming in. Okay. It's a good, good area. I love Arthur. Oh yeah, it's great. Oh, we got to go there anyway. From now we're here. We are right going to be down the block. We'll go up in the summertime or yeah, whenever it's absolutely. open again. We'll go see Mike and everybody else up there. I forget about. Yeah. That. Yeah, that'll be great. All right. So our last one for tonight is from Wendy. Wendy says, Gianni, how has this experience doing a podcast been for you? What is it like working with Patrick and Megan? This has been a great experience for me because, you know, I was told about podcasts and uh, it's a great venue because we do it relaxed and everybody says, well, we sound like we're talking to you directly. We are. When we're talking to you, we're talking to you as an individual because you tuned in and we appreciate you. And Megan and Pat, we, I, we just have a chemistry. There was no rehearsal. There was no saying, you do this, we'll do that. And we just 
it happened and it's been happening and I think that's why it's so acceptable and I'm so appreciative because you know at 77 to start a radio career <laughs> yeah right all this technology thrown at yeah, you most people start a radio career and then they go to television then they go yeah, to then movies they, then I went to movies through. and I'm going backwards <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's unfortunate that we don't have Pat for... Yeah. This Pat, episode. we miss you, and he definitely will be back next week. And we miss you, all of you, when we're not with you. Please tune in every Wednesday for a new podcast. Go on iTunes, Skype, whatever it is, it, and stay con connected with us. And we need iTunes reviews. Yeah, iTunes reviews. And you can follow us on Instagram, Gianni's Instagram. If you don't already follow it, it's at Russo. And we have a page dedicated to the podcast, which is at Hollywood Godfather. So you can always check those out. We're on Facebook as well. So there's always ways to stay connected with us and to stay updated. Stay safe and healthy. Wear a mask. Yes. God bless Definitely you all. Do that. Good night, Good night everyone. If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I could render. I'm the one who loves you only. I could be so warm, so tender. Call me. Don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be around. Or when it seems your friends desert you. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather Podcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night. Hi, Patrick Picciarelli here, announcing the release of the second book in the Ray Yale Private Investigator series titled Pop Line. In this outing, Yale journeys to Pennsylvania to help a deceased friend's sister who has been charged with the murder of her police officer husband. An outsider doesn't sit well with the local cops and Pittsburgh organized crime figures, which leads Yale down a treacherous path of deception, murder, and a crime so ingenious that it has never been duplicated in mystery fiction. Pop Line is available exclusively on Amazon.com.